Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God and living well. We are in the middle of a series. So for those of you who are listening to this show for the first time ever, first of all, welcome. Second of all, this is a series-based podcast, and we are in the second part of our self-love series. So if you have not listened to the first part, I encourage you to pause Go back to part one so that part two will make much more sense to you. And as we often do, we have a guiding text for our episode today. It is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, four through seven. This is actually a continuation of where we started in the last episode, but we pick up from here, which is love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongdoings. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Woo, that's a mouthful. Love is doing a whole lot. So for that reason, that is why we are going to start today's episode with love and action. And then we will talk about the bakery. I'll get to that much later and how to practice self-love. So let's jump right into it. First of all, love in action. So I want to remind you about the definition that we are using for self-love for this series. And the definition of self-love that we are using is self-love is the decision to consistently, compassionately, and righteously pursue happiness and well-being. The decision to consistently, compassionately, and righteously pursue active, I mean, we're going after, chasing after happiness and well-being. So as we look at our guiding text, love is patient, love is kind, we actually unpacked all of that and we got all the way up to verse six, which is where we start today, that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So here's what I want you to notice about this whole stanza, really about the whole guiding scripture, that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy and so forth. It describes love in active tense. You all know I'm an English professor, right? Did you all know that? Have we had that conversation? So I'm an English professor. And so it describes love in active tense, in present tense, right? It doesn't say that love was. It says that love is. And it says that love does. Those are active verbs. The reason that we say that love is an active process, that love is an action word, is because the Bible describes it as a present entity. It it describes it as a present, ongoing, right here, right now, dynamic. The Bible says that God is love, not God was. God says, I am that I am, not I was that I was, which means that love is ever present, ever existing, ever here, ever now. So verse six is saying that love does not delight in evil, that it takes no pleasure really in wrongdoing or unrighteousness and rejoices with the truth. This is really important because let's start with the truth. The truth is that God loves you. (laughs) The truth is that you are a worthy individual. The truth is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So beginning with that truth, with that pretext, as we look at love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. When we look at that word evil, I looked at other versions of this and it says, you know, evil, not like an evil plot, like not in that sense, but evil in the sense of wrongdoing or unrighteousness. So what does that have to do with self-love, right? Wrongdoing or unrighteousness? Well, let's return to our definition. 
self-love is righteous, right? So when we talk about our definition of self-love, we said that it is the decision to consistently, compassionately, and righteously pursue happiness and well-being. And so when we talk about the righteousness, we're looking at love measured by God's standard. So when we talk about loving ourselves, we have to ask if what I'm accepting from others and what I'm doing to myself measures up to God's standard. Meaning if you love yourself, you do not accept neglect. You do not accept dishonesty. You do not accept abuse of any kind from anybody, including yourself. There are times where we can be our worst enemy when we neglect ourselves. A lot of times we spend a lot of time talking about like the abuses of others, but neglect really is tantamount to abuse. Like they really can cause comparable damage. And I'm going to tread lightly here because this is a sensitive area, but it's the one that jumps out the most to me. And it's the one that's really one of the most personal to me with respect to neglect. Bodily neglect is not okay. Physical neglect is not okay. Just eating and drinking anything is not okay. Sitting around, stuffing and numbing ourselves, these are not acts of love. These are acts of survival. They're acts of maladaptive coping. But when I think about my own physical health journey, no matter how much success I had at work or on this platform or how much money I made, I knew, I knew that I was failing myself physically. And I believe in body positivity. I am not a fat shamer in any way, shape, or form. I believe that you can be heavy and healthy, but I knew that that was not my truth. And now I work out six, seven days a week, and I've been doing that for the past year. And each time I'm in the gym or the yoga studio or the walking path or on the dance floor or training for a run, that's me choosing not to neglect myself. It is an act of self-love. And when people say things like, oh my gosh, Shantae, you look amazing. I think to myself, yeah, I look like somebody who loves themselves. I look like I love myself because that's what this this transformation has meant for me. Now, having said that, you can be fit as a fiddle and still not love yourself, okay? You can be chiseled and muscular and have the six-pack abs and still allow all kinds of abuses and toxicity into your life. But the point is, when it says that love does not delight in evil, and rejoices in truth, it means that self-love does not have any place for the dynamics of self-abuse, self-neglect, for toxicity of any kind. And then this very last verse in this stanza in our guiding text says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I struggled with this. I really did because it's hyperbole. This is one of the words that I do not allow my students to write in essays. I don't allow them to write words like always, and I don't allow them to write words like never because they're hyperbole. And I'm like, there's always an exception. There's, you can't prove that this is not anything that, that is provable beyond any sort of exception. And yet here the Bible is using hyperbole. Dun, dun, dun. So, and obviously I'm not here to grade the Bible, but it says what it says. It says it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, or it always endures. Let the weight of that sink in for a quick second, right? Always protects, love protects. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart 
for everything that you do flows from it. Listeners, you have to protect yourself. When you are talking about self-love, you have to protect yourself. Sometimes we sit around waiting for other people to come to our rescue. Sometimes you have to come to your own rescue, brother. (laughs) Sometimes you have to come to your own rescue, sis. You have to guard your own heart. Keep your heart three stacks. And if you don't know what that reference is, go ahead and Google I Choose You by UGK and Outcast. But yeah, (laughs) you have to guard your own heart. You know, you have to protect your own self. You have to come to your own rescue. You know, sometimes out of loneliness or desperation or longing, we open ourselves. We open ourselves up to things and to people who are not in our best interest. We let them into our homes and we let them into our hearts before we have taken the time to fully vet them, right? And think about any time you've had to pass through security, even if the security was shabby. I have to I have to chuckle a little bit because I did go to a couple of events this summer and they were like, you have to have proof of vaccination. Otherwise, we're not going to let you in. Baby, by the time I got to the gate, I could have shown a three of diamonds and they would have let me in the door like the security was so laughable in terms of how well people were, quote unquote, enforcing these mandates or what have you or these protective measures. But when you think about security in general, it means that you can't just walk into the White House, right? (laughs) You can't just waltz into Buckingham Palace. It doesn't work that way. Like there are people standing guard and you have to have clearances and you have a protocol. Like there are steps that you have to take before you can gain access to what is considered this precious property or the people who are inside who are considered precious and high value people. You are like that. You are high value. You are precious property. And so when you think about guarding, it's like, what are your security protocols? What are your chains of command? What are the hoops that people kind of have to jump through a little bit before they gain access to something as precious as your heart? Okay, we have to take the time to really fully vet some of these things and some of these people. And it's not just love relationships. It can be friendships. It can be social media accounts and things that we consume in the media. Everything that you take into your mind, into your body, into your life will have some sort of effect, some sort of impact. So you have to be willing to stand guard at the gates of your life and be careful what you allow. This verse also says that love, trust, always trust. Child, you know, we got mad trust issues. We don't trust nobody. You know, we don't trust nobody. And and some of us, we don't have any problem trusting ourselves because we feel like we're the only people that we can trust. I know I can count on me. I can rely on myself. I'm not going to let myself down. But some of us, many of us struggle in this area too because we have not always made the best decisions. We have not always made decisions that are in our own best interest. We have not always made sacrifices in our own best interest. And now we don't know how to navigate our careers. Now we don't know how to navigate our relationships. Now we don't know how to navigate our friendships. Believers, this is where discernment comes in. This is where discernment comes into play. Jesus did not leave us out here in these streets to fend for ourselves. He says, I'm going away. And when I go away, who's coming in my place? the comforter, the Holy Spirit to guide us, to warn us, to nudge us. Okay. Prayer is always available to us. The question is, are we patient enough to wait for an answer if God does not answer right away? So this is where, again, we have to be in a protective mode. Okay. And anytime where we don't trust ourselves, then we can use the guidance of the Holy Spirit to nudge us in the right direction. This verse also says that love hopes. 
And this can be very difficult because many of us have lived through so many disappointments. We have broken promises to ourselves. People have broken promises to us. We've had our hearts broken and we've broken our own hearts. We have committed to do better and then we don't. We say we're going to be consistent and then we drop the ball. And when you take the, the cumulative effect of all of that, a lot of us have given up hope. But here's the deal. It says love always hopes, right? So when you love yourself, you're always rooting for yourself. You're always rooting for yourself to do better, to get better, to be better, because you believe that you are capable of better. We don't sing that song, you know, don't give up on God because he won't give up on you. That's not just applicable to him. Don't give up on yourself either. You can't tap out of your own life. You can't just be kind of carried along in the current, just kind of floating and lost at sea. Love is an active process. It means you're doing something. And one of the things that you are doing is hoping, okay, that you are still invested, that you still have hope for a better and a brighter tomorrow if things in your life are not what you would like them to be. And then the last part of this verse brings us back to what I referenced earlier. And it's the fact that love endures, right? It perseveres. It keeps going. Even when you get down on yourself, don't stay down. As long as you are drawing breath, there is an opportunity to come back from setbacks and heartaches and heartbreaks and broken promises, delays and disappointments. You know, I recently asked my Instagram followers what self-love looked like for them. And I want to share some of these answers that I got from them. One person said, I let go of who I thought I would never be able to live without. Woo, honey, that means that a a chain was broken. Okay, like a, a relationship was severed. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes we have to let go of some people who are not in our best interest. Sometimes people slid in underneath the security protocols or we didn't vet them through those security protocols that we talked about. And then they end up being in our lives for much longer than we ever intended. Another person says, I stopped fretting over the approval of others. I know that's right because I said this on a recent social media post, but anytime that you're living to kind of like impress people, you are living in this perpetual state of performing and people pleasing. And that is not purposeful. That is not productive. Okay. So you can be purposeful and productive or you can be performing and people pleasing, but you can't be doing both. Another person said the first toxic relationship fizzled out, but the second one I nipped in the bud right away. We learn and we grow. Do we not? Okay. We live and we learn. It's like the first one. Okay. This one I I allowed to kind of stay along and linger. But this second one, once I recognize the signs, I cut it because sometimes that happens too. Sometimes we do let people go through the the security protocols and we do vet them and we say we're going to be a little bit wiser next time. And even if they pass the first security clearance, it doesn't mean that they're going to get to, you know, the holies of holies. Okay. It doesn't mean that they're going to get to the chamber of secrets. Sometimes people, you know, you give them an inch and see what they do with that inch. And if they're not worthy of the mile, then you just have to nip that in the bud. Another person said, I moved to Atlanta and my family strongly opposed Sometimes you have to do what's best for your own family and your own interests for your own life, because 
when you have a calling on your life, when God is pulling you in a certain direction, that's not always going to be a group project. Okay. That's not always going to be a group decision. Sometimes you just have to go, you know, Abraham was called out and everybody else had to go, but God was speaking directly to Abraham. He said, look, Lot, you better get your family and you better get going. That wasn't a group memo. Lot was like, look, we got to get out of here and we got to go. You know, so sometimes you just have to do what God is calling you and, and what your heart is telling you to do. Another person says, I chose me. And whatever that means for that person is like, I chose myself instead of being sucked up under, you know, somebody else's agenda. Another person said, uh, I, com I completed tasks for my betterment, even when I didn't feel like it. So even when I didn't feel like going to the gym, even when I didn't feel like filling out that paperwork, even when I didn't feel like doing that assignment, I did it anyway. Even when I wasn't feeling it physically, I still pushed through. Now, I want you to notice something about all of these answers that I've shared with you. And thank you listeners for sharing your answers. I appreciate you and, and providing value in the podcast. But here's what I want you to notice about all of the answers that I share with you from other people. I let go. I stopped fretting. I nipped in the bud. I chose, I moved, I completed. You know what those are? Verbs. Okay, those are action words. I did something. Meaning when you are talking about self-love, you need to be able to point to acts of self-love. And if you are struggling to do that, then I hope that this episode will give you some direction about where to start. Which brings us to the bakery. So the bakery is a metaphor that I use when describing interactions in relationships. And one of the clearest indicators of how much you love yourself is by gauging your interactions with other people. And the bakery is what I use to determine whether or not I'm getting crumbs or whether or not I'm getting cake. A lot of us have been conditioned to get crumbs. We're going to have a lot more to say about this in the dating series. But one example is sometimes we have parents who are absent or neglectful. And, you know, they pop up every now and then with, you know, toys, tokens, you know, a plate of food or, you know, hey, let's go out and have a good time at the carnival or the theme park or whatever. But no real commitment. Right. No real time spent. You know, they'll give you the iPad. They'll give you the shoes. They'll buy you some clothes for, for school. But no real commitment, no real time, no real investment. But what that does in the mind of a child is it creates an illusion that this is real love, right? And I know some people want to pop back like, well, maybe that's all the love that they could give. As a single mother, I promise you, you don't want to have that conversation with me, baby. You just don't. <laughs> okay. But, you know, it creates this illusion that that is love when it's really not. You know, what those children are getting, you know, the the tokens, the carnival, the ticket, the this, that, and the that's, that was the crumbs. Okay. They were not getting the cake. So when you are conditioned as a child to get crumbs, what happens when you get older is that you start navigating friendships, jobs, relationships, and it can be easy to mistake crumbs for cake. But here's the thing. When you love yourself, you recognize that your needs, your concerns, your time has value. This is where the cake comes in. Cake is all of those high quality ingredients combined with care and baked with love. So when you think about healthy friendships, what does that cake look like for you? What are the ingredients of a healthy friendship cake? Is it a good listener? 
Is it an objective viewpoint? Is it no judgment? Is it support? What does, what are the ingredients that make up the cake of good friendship for you? Because once you're clear on what the cake is, it's pretty easy to recognize when you're getting the crumbs. So when you have time for their problems, but they don't have time for yours, when you always treat for lunch, but they never do, when they throw shade at your choices instead of supporting those choices, that's crumbs, okay? (laughs) So when you love yourself, it's a hard pass on the crumbs. It's like, no, we straight on that. We want the cake. We deserve the cake. Eat the cake, anime, okay? So one of the things that I wanna challenge you to do as an exercise coming out of this episode is bake the cake. Pull out a sheet of paper, pull out that notebook because I know some of y'all got a thousand empty notebooks in your house that you never use, but you saw it in Marshalls, you saw it in TJ Maxx, you just couldn't pass it up. You was like, I'm gonna journal every day and you ain't wrote nothing in it yet. Pull out one of those, okay? And bake the cake. So what goes in the friendship cake? What goes in the fulfilling career cake? What goes in the loving relationship cake? What are those ingredients? And then I want you to start evaluating the relationships in your life and see if you are getting the cake or if you're getting the crumbs. And if you are getting the crumbs, I'm not saying automatically just ditch people and start, you know, snatching the weeds out of your garden and and kicking people to the curb. But I do think that this is an opportunity for conversation right? If you recognize that your relationships have more crumbs than cake, I think this is a golden opportunity to open up some dialogue about what your concerns are. And if people really value you and care for you, then they will hear your concerns. Sometimes people are giving you crumbs because that's what you take. Okay. You know, like I, I, I travel all throughout, all over the world. And I have had many currencies in my hands. I've had Australian dollars. I've had pesos. I've had pounds. I've had sterling. I've had euros and dollars. And here's the thing. If I'm an American and I go to Europe and I go to a coffee shop and I try to pay for my coffee with an American dollar, guess what? They don't take that. And even though it might be worth something over here, It doesn't mean anything over there. They just don't accept that. And so some of you have people in in your life that they navigate all of their relationships with their currency, with how they're used to getting by, with how they're used to getting over. And then they come to you with that same currency and they use it and you accept it. And you might not really want it, but that's what they gave. And so you took it. If you don't accept dollars and you only accept euros, guess what? You need to set a boundary, which we'll talk about in the next episode and say, I don't accept that currency. What else you got? Here, here, here's what we take. <laughs> we can take Visa. We can take a cash app. We can t- like, we can take these other methods. Here's some other things that we can accept, but, th- but we don't accept this. That, that doesn't have any value here. You see how that works? So when we're talking about evaluating the relationships and whether or not you're getting crumbs or cake, you need to to be willing, if those relationships mean something to you, to be open to that dialogue. And if people are not receptive to that, then that tells you a lot about the relationship. And last but not least, practice, practice, practice. So self-love, as I said in the first episode, it's not intuitive. It's not innate. 
survival is innate. Self-preservation is innate, but self-love, baby, that takes work and time and cultivation. And I just want to be honest with you. This is not easy work. I know some of y'all are listening to this and you like, dang, Dr. Shante, you ain't have to snatch my wig and my edges. But I did. I did, boo, because I really love you all. And, and please accept this as a love offering on your behalf, because all I want for each and every one of you is to live whole and complete lives, which requires work. So where do you begin? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to commit to one self-loving act per day for the next 30 days. Okay, so this will take us right into February. And even if it's the same act, even if you do the same thing for yourself once a day, fine. Let's just cultivate the practice. So if you're always running out the door and you never eat breakfast, Take 15 minutes and make yourself some breakfast. Go ahead and brew that coffee. Go ahead and buy that Nespresso machine. You deserve it, okay? If it's 15 minutes of morning meditation, great. If you journal for five minutes a day, great. If you need to delete some numbers out of your phone, okay, great. If you need to unfollow some social media accounts that trigger you, great. Use your paid time off. Some of y'all got so much vacation time, so many sick days banked, rolled, and saved up. Get out, go somewhere. Well, Dr. Shanta, it's a pandemic. You go every place else, get out, <laughs> go somewhere. If it's not on a plane, take a road trip, but get out and use your paid time off. Take some mental health days. Um, You can say no. No is a complete sentence. And so some of you, your act of self-love might be actually saying no. Let me tell you something. God says no to us all the time and he don't feel bad about it. So there you have it. You can read a book on your shelf. Some of you have books that you keep buying, but you never really take the time to read because you're making time for all these other things and all these other people. Choose 30 separate acts, or you can choose one act that you do every day for 30 days. But I want you to practice and cultivate self-love. I believe in you. You can do it. And speaking of self-love, registration is still open for the whole and complete retreat. That is, oh, that's just such a a phenomenal experience that I'm looking forward to engaging with you all in the spring. So if you have not checked that out, if you have not registered, if you're waiting on your income tax return, I get it. So go to wholeandcompleteretreat.com and make sure that you register for that. Go ahead and put down your deposit. Take advantage of early bird specials if they're still available. And next week, I am so looking forward to our guest, Lucretia Slater, who... I'm not even going to spoil it. I will tell you next week how we came into relationship, but she has such a phenomenal gift and passion for self-love and how to cultivate self-love and healing at the same time. And so that is where we are going next week. I look forward to meeting you there. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, hit me up at Dr. Shante Says, and I will see you next time.